A Democratic senator resigns and tosses the ball right back in the Republicans' court. Plus, what the president's son did not say that's raising so many eyebrows right now. And the FBI director defends his agency against a hit from the man who put him in charge. This is the State of America Tonight. Today I am announcing that in the coming weeks, I will be resigning as a member of the United States Senate. Once again, if there are credible allegations or if they admitted to this behavior, I don't think they should serve. Donald Trump Jr. claiming this attorney-client privilege protects a conversation that he had with his father. I don't think that there's a colorable claim of attorney-client privilege. He has a very serious case of amnesia. The FBI director gearing up for some tough questions from both sides of the aisle at this routine oversight hearing. The FBI that I see is respected and appreciated. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. You know what I'm hearing a lot of today? Yes, sure, but. Yes, I'll resign, but I didn't do what they say I did. Yes, I'll answer questions, but not the one everyone is asking. Yes, I'll defend my employees, but no, I won't criticize the president who attacked them. Yes, I'm a spokesperson for the campaign, but no, I can't speak to anything my candidate says. Let's start from the top. Democratic Senator Al Franken announced today he is resigning from the Senate. This is the extraordinary conclusion after an extraordinary day yesterday when more than 30 of his Democratic colleagues called for him to step aside, facing a slew of accusations of groping and forcibly kissing women in the past. Allegations he took on directly during his big announcement. I know in my heart that nothing I have done as a senator, nothing, has brought this honor on on this institution. And I am confident that the Ethics Committee would agree. Franken did not apologize to the women who've spoken up, as you can see. He barely addressed the women that have spoken up. But he clearly doesn't think his actions merited the backlash or his resignation. But he did have this parting shot to offer. I, of all people, am aware that there is some irony in the fact that I am leaving while a man who has bragged on tape about his history of sexual assault sits in the Oval Office, and a man who has repeatedly preyed on young girls' campaigns for the Senate with with the full support of his party. Franken, of course, talking about the president of the United States there and the Republican Senate candidate in Alabama, Roy Moore. I know we've already had a year of wild and unprecedented political news. But make no mistake, what happened today in the Senate very rarely happens. The last time a senator was forced out under this type of circumstances was like over 20 years ago. And that doesn't seem to be lost on members of Franken's own party. It's not a good day here at the U.S. Capitol building, Uh, but I think what this shows us is that you can have very accomplished men um, who have done a lot of good work also do a lot of bad things. It doesn't matter if you're a a Democrat or a Republican, a House member, a senator, uh, if you've been here for 10, 20, 30 years or one year. uh, This should not be the place where you have serial sexual harassers. A watershed moment in terms of the culture in Washington? Maybe. But please do not forget, with everything in Washington, politics is never far behind. 
Democrats want the moral high ground here. This right. is all uh, included in so many things, including the Alabama election potentially next week of Roy Moore. If he is elected, Democrats believe that they would not be able to have the high ground here if Al Franken was still in the Senate. From the Senate to the House now, and the next and next up on the yes but hit parade, Donald Trump Jr., the president's son, faced lawmakers for the first time Wednesday in their investigation into Russian meddling in the election. He answered questions for seven hours, but he was oddly tight-lipped on any conversations that he'd had with his father about that famous Trump Tower meeting with a Russian lawyer promising dirt from the Russian government on Hillary Clinton during the campaign. His reason? Odd as well, attorney-client privilege. Note, neither Donald Trump Jr. nor his father is an attorney. He cites attorneys who were in the room during that meeting, which is why he would not discuss exactly uh, what these two men uh, had uh, discussed about the Trump Tower meeting and the response uh, to this is, uh, when it was revealed by the New York Times. The attorney-client privilege only applies to conversations between a lawyer and a client. If anyone else is present, there is no privilege. And that left Democrats on the committee, let's say, less than satisfied. He invoked a privilege, and we made it clear, uh, at least uh, on our side of the aisle, that we did not think this was a recognizable privilege. Unfortunately, I think the committee has set a precedent that if witnesses make any uh, flimsy claim of privilege, that the House or the Senate will back away. He has a very serious case of amnesia, and he was pretty non-responsive on a lot of issues that, frankly, you would have a recollection of. But wait, there's more. The head of the nation's top law enforcement agency today offered his own twist on the old yes, but. FBI Director Christopher Wray on Capitol Hill responding for the first time to president, the president's attack from the weekend when the president said that the bureau, FBI, was, quote, in tatters and, quote, worst in history. Chris Wray had this to say about that. The FBI that I see is tens of thousands of brave men and women who are working as hard as they can to keep people that they will never know safe from harm. The agents, analysts, and staff of the FBI are big boys and girls. We understand that we will take criticism from all corners, uh, and we're accustomed to that. FBI agents are accustomed to criticism. I will buy that, but being publicly skewered by the President of the United States... Probably not so much. So, yes, Ray defended his team. But, no, we didn't cut that soundbite short. He did not speak directly to the president on this one. And Democrats on the committee clearly wanted to hear more. And when he tells you that you need to, quote, clean house, that your agents are, quote, phony and dishonest, and that your, quote, reputation or the reputation of the bureau is in tatters and, quote, the worst in history, you should do more than send a private email to your employees. Your job then is to stand up to the president of the United States. And finally, to the winner of today's edition of Yes, Sure, But, Jane Porter. Heard of her? Probably not. She is the spokeswoman for, the Roy, Moore, for Roy Moore, the candidate, the embattled Republican Senate candidate, I should say, in Alabama. Embattled because of allegations that he is facing of sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl and a 16-year-old girl in the past. Jane Porter's job of course, is to speak at, speak on behalf of her boss and generally know what her boss's positions are. But it's not the allegations that tripped her up. It's his past public statements. Just watch. 
Does Judge Moore still believe that homosexual conduct should be illegal and that homosexuality is still the same thing as bestiality? Well, I think that what Judge Roy Moore, and I, I can't answer that. Does he still believe that 9-11 may have happened because, quote, we've distanced ourselves from God? You, you don't know the answer about 9-11. The fact 11 of the matter is, I don't know the answer to 9-11. Okay. No, I'm sorry, Third I don't question. have that answer. Does he still believe Barack Obama wasn't born in the United States because he didn't believe that in the past? Uh, you know what? That, that issue's kind of come and gone. And by the way, that was just a sample of that. So, yes. My job is to speak out about what my candidate believes and has said he believes in the past. But no, I have no idea. Future press secretaries, please take note. Take lots of notes, actually, on that one. Just ahead, he is resigning, but is he resigned? A defiant Al Franken and a historic moment for the U.S. Congress. What this means for the Democratic Party and also the president's party. The panel's here. Democrats clean house today when it comes to sexual harassment. They say enough is enough. But are they also making a political play? And even so, what does it all mean for Republicans now? The panel tonight, Gloria Borges here, CNN chief political analyst. Tim Miller is former communications director for the, for the Republican Jeb Bush's presidential campaign. Jack Kingston's here, CNN political commentator and former Republican congressman. He was also a senior advisor to the Trump campaign. And Nadim El-Shami is a CNN political commentator and former chief of staff to the top Democrat in the House, Nancy Pelosi. Great to have you all. Gloria, it was pretty clear in what we heard from Al Franken today that he did not want to be leaving. I think we can all agree on that. He wanted to say he absolutely wanted to stay. What does his statement do now? Well, look, he didn't apologize. He didn't. It was not an admission of guilt. I think what he made very clear is that he wasn't happy, but he was taking one for the team effectively. Uh, You know, these Democratic women had the power. And I think we should note that it's the first time I've seen women in Congress really have power, uh, had the power to do what they've been talking about for weeks. And it's clear if the Democrats are going to have the moral high ground without much ambiguity, particularly as it pertains to Republicans and Roy Moore and the potential seating of him in the Senate, uh, I think that this was something that that had to happen. But Franken, uh, you know, made no secret of the fact that he wasn't really happy about it. Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, Nadim, yes, Democratic women in the Senate flexing their muscle and showing their power finally in numbers. But was this also at the end of the day, was this also a shrewd political play? They know that it's a Democratic governor in the state of Minnesota who will put a Democrat in the seat, at least for now. Um, is that what this, I mean, could they have, is that what they, they could just, they knew they could afford this? Well, it's not they could afford this. They had to do it, no question about it, because the pressure was getting to be very strong, especially from the women senators. But it was a uh, strong, uh, shrewd political point? Yes, of course. You know, and it looked to me it's like it's pretty coordinated, too, throughout the day. Um, so now that uh, Franken is gone, and look, my former boss, when Kanye's had to go, Cuban uh, had to go as well. They had to. They had to take those steps. So yes, re- Democrats have the moral high ground now. I think what Republicans are being faced with is, you know, the the, the they're taking the political road, and they have to answer not to just to Roy Moore in Alabama, but they also have to answer to the president and the uh, at the White House right now. I mean, Tim, do you acknowledge it as a Republican? I mean, Democrats have the moral high ground right here. What does this mean for Republicans today? Look, uh, the Republicans don't have any ground to stand on. And, you know, I think that we all 
uh, here on political panels can be cynical and jaded. And, you know, of course, there's a political element to what Al Franken did. I wonder why we are, buddy, because they've made us this way. (laughs) Exactly. Right. But, yeah, my point is that at a time when when there's good reason to be and when there's so much disingenuousness and bad faith in our politics, uh, you know, I'm just going to be happy when somebody does the right thing, uh, uh, (laughs) even if there are political motives behind it for once. And, And that's not happening in my party. And Jeff Flake is the only one who said uh, that he does not support Roy. He actively supports Roy Moore's opponent out of any Republican elected officials. And so uh, as long as there's a president in the White House whose accusations against him are as great, if not greater, than Al Franken, and uh, we have a candidate that is an uh, alleged pedophile uh, running for the Senate and only one Republican opposes him, uh, yeah, Republicans don't have a lot of high ground on this. Jack, bad day for Al Franken, yes, but is this in some way a worse day for Republicans in the Alabama Senate race for Roy Moore in the sense that now he could have even less of an argument to stand on in terms of not getting expelled from the Senate if he wins? Well, I think it is. And if not for Roy Moore, I don't think uh, Al Franken would be forced out of office at all. Um, Probably the reason why he was forced out is it just didn't end with seven accusers. There were probably multiples after that. And the Ethics Committee saw that and they pulled him to the side and said, Al, no way you can survive this. And this thing is going to unravel drop by drop, which is even worse than, you know, one big drop drop at once. So I, I think the Democrats basically made a pragmatic decision. Um, and, you know, what should in doing Republicans, so, they though, do now, Jack, because um, I don't see any movement. I mean, there's there's a guy named Blake Farenthold in the House that so far Republicans have been 100 percent silent on. And he settled a lawsuit with taxpayer dollars for eighty four thousand dollars, something very similar to what John Conyers got kicked out for and had to resign over. And Blake Farenthold, well, I've heard nothing. You know, there's also the the Democrat congressman from Nevada that we I hear you, but I'm about asking about who, Republicans. So, uh, I, well, I think what we're, what you have seen in the past, whether it was Tim Murphy quite recently or Mark Foley many years ago or Duke Cunningham or Chris Lee, we deal with our own. We, we do um, do it. Uh, I would say sometimes you don't do it as quickly as you need to because you have a tendency to say, I want to find out more about it. And I think that's what happened with the Democrats um, in terms of Al Franken. But, you know, it, it's an opportunity for them, just like during the Page scandal with Mark Foley in 2000. 2006, when Speaker or would-be Speaker Pelosi um, uh, grabbed the high ground and said, "Look, what they're doing—they're not even protecting our children." And the Democrats um, got the upper hand on this issue. And I think, in terms of sexual harassment, it's—you know—not really an orphan issue. It's a bipartisan issue right now. And I think the Democrats are trying to claim it as theirs. They're going to have a hard time, given uh, that Harvey Weinstein was a big Democrat donor and operative. But um, I think that's part of the, the background of all this. Well, I, one of the things, Gloria, and, I, and you, give me what you, give me give me your take. But Franken had some strange allies coming to his defense. Newt Gingrich was one of them. You've heard you heard this argument that w- the the people who put Franken in office didn't have a say in his departure. Right? What happened? What what happened to the popular well, vote? What do you think of this? Well, you know, Newt Gingrich is setting up the the fight over more and what yeah. happens if he were to be elected, which is a, a real possibility, and then gets to the Senate and then there will be a question of expulsion. Uh, which some Republicans have already talked about. And Newt Gingrich is saying there, look, you're elected and uh, it's up to the people. It's not up to you. What will be interesting to see going forward, if Moore is elected, how will the Republican women deal with this? 
you know, yeah. Susan Collins, Murkowski, all the, you know, the Republican women, will they have the same power and authority that the Democratic women had? They don't have the same and, numbers. That's a great question. And it could be the gift. It could be a gift that keeps on giving in that respect. Gloria is 100% right that everything will have a litmus test. It'll be applied over and over again. Do you think Isn't Roy this Moore okay should be the head of state? On this you one? think he should I mean, test. like, yeah, uh, that's the thing that Republicans, I'm sorry, they're going to have to deal with if Roy Moore is sitting and, next yes. to them in a committee hearing or walking and next Kate, to them. I mean, they're going to have to answer questions to it. They said yes. they were going to deal with Roy Moore. Are they going to deal with Hang on. Go, Tim. Go, Tim. Sorry. Yeah, Gingrich is giving cover to Trump, not to Moore. I mean, oh, well, Jack both. said that, that, that Franken <laughs> had to go because he had seven accusers. Well, Trump had 16 accusers. That's right. And, 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 you know, it's like Republicans and Trump supporters, you know, pretend like this didn't happen or this is a fantasy. That he has 16 on the record accusers. He you, admitted that he walked in on 15-year-old girls while they were naked. And this is sick. Mean, look, give me your final take, though. <laughs> but what on this argument that voters put him into office and voters should have the say, not their colleagues pressuring him to come or go? You know what, you have a responsibility when you're elected to be a member of Congress or a senator. And your responsibility is to the voters. And if you're accused of sexual assault or if you're, you know, other issues, then you should be stepping down. You should do the right thing and step down. That's what Franken did. That's what Conyers did. But, yes, they came remember, under pressure. The Hang Democrat on, Jack, legacy hear, includes Barney Frank finish. and Jerry Stubbs. Stop and, bringing and up Anthony. the past. Oh I'm <laughs> living in the present, Jack, I, I just, I, and you're not well, there's answering a legacy the darn there questions, the, the so you don't get to have the final say. Cut yeah. you off. Barney Stand by. Frank we got more. Nadine, you get the time. Jack Kingston, stop talking. My goodness. Stand by, guys. You've probably heard of attorney-client privilege. You've probably heard of attorney-client privilege, but have you heard of father-son privilege? No? Really? The new strategy being tested by the president's son and why his answers are only raising more questions about what the president knew and when with regard to Russia. That's next. My son is a wonderful young man. In the case of Don, uh, he listened. I guess they talked about, as I see it, they talked about adoption and some things. Uh, adoption wasn't even a part of the campaign. But nothing happened from the meeting. Zero happened from the meeting. And honestly, I think the press made a very big deal over something that really a lot of people would do. That was the president defending Donald Trump Jr. back in July when news was first breaking about his son's meeting at Trump Tower during the campaign with a Russian lawyer who promised dirt on Hillary Clinton straight from the Russian government. So what did the president know about that meeting and who told him and when? Donald Trump Jr. told House investigators yesterday he couldn't tell. Instead, citing attorney-client privilege. An interesting choice, to say the very least. Let's get to it. Gloria, of course we think we know what attorney-client privilege means, that it an attorney and a client, if they speak in confidence, the attorney can't testify against them. Um, what the heck is going on here? Well, I think uh, he was making the case that because there was just an attorney in the room, that therefore <laughs> he couldn't re repeat the conversation. And the legal experts we've talked to have said that's ridiculous. What they were doing, however, by doing this was buying time for themselves, trying not to answer the question. He wasn't under subpoena. He's not going to be held in contempt. He appeared voluntarily. Republicans control the committee. If somebody wants an answer to that question, uh, like the special counsel, Bob Mueller will have to put him in front of a grand jury because it seems to me that Congress isn't going to get it. He didn't want to talk about it. Who knows why he didn't? Was he protecting his father? We don't, you know, we don't know the answer to that. And it raises a lot more questions. But yeah. Nadim, Gloria lines up 
exactly my question, which is Democrats clearly not happy when they came out of that and had a lot more questions. But what can they do about it? Look, you know, they're making a mockery. The Republicans are making a mockery of the investigations, you know, and they're going after Bob Miller. What they need to do is they need to go be talking to the people across the country about this and why the Russia investigation is very important. You can't be claiming privilege on something that you can't be claiming privilege on. You can't be writing the laws. So the only way to, to, to do this is to go talk to people all across the country. As my former boss always used to say, public sentiment is everything. They have to, the American people have to understand why the Russia investigation is so important, why Congress has a responsibility to do its job, and why Mueller must be left to do his own job without interference from the Republican Congress and from the administration. Also happening today, um, a related, unrelated front, the FBI director, Tim, had to defend his agency against the president, of course, who picked him, offered a pretty strong defense of the FBI and the people who work for the FBI today before a House committee. Um, what do you think the president thought of that today? Well, look, I don't think the president's ever happy uh, when somebody in the administration undermines him, but uh, I, I don't know how many more FBI directors he can fire, so I think he's going to have to deal <laughs> with it. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the interesting thing about this whole FBI situation is just the weaponization and the, politi the, politiza the politicization of everything that we're doing right now in this country. You know, the thing is, there were FBI officials who supported Donald Trump. Uh, they were leaking to Rudy Giuliani during the campaign. He admitted that. And I'm sure that there were FBI officials that supported Hillary Clinton. But, you know, there was a period of time in this country where we understood that, the you know, those folks had a responsibility to the rule of law, and that's what they focused on. And so with their personal political views didn't matter. Um, in our tribal political times now, that's not doable. And so... I think that the FBI and people that work for the FBI are going to have to take seriously their responsibilities and how things are going to appear. But let's not pretend like Donald Trump really thinks the FBI is unfair to him. He's just trying to, to take political advantage of this. I'm, I, I'm honestly not sure, because this is a statement coming from Sarah Sanders this afternoon when asked about what Chris Ray said. He defended the agency. And Jack, what, what uh, Sarah Sanders said from the podium is they, do, they see no discrepancy between what the president said on Twitter about the FBI's reputation being in tatters and what Chris Ray said today before the committee. I mean, I don't think she was joking. I'm just not really understanding that, that argument. Well, you know, I was reading the, the live blog that came through on the hearing, and I felt like Chris Ray handled the question very well, and, and he did not take the I'm bait. I'm not disagreeing sort of, with you. Uh, take the I, bait. I think he just he stayed in the answer. middle of it. But, but let, let me say this, Kate, to somebody who's dealt with the FBI from a funding standpoint, and I've se I saw what they did with Congressman Kirk Weldon or Senator Ted Stevens, and frankly what James Comey did to Hillary Clinton, I do think the FBI, particularly in Washington, can get out of control because they're human beings. And I think that um, the field offices are great, but I think when we as Americans say, oh no, that group of people is sterling, they don't do anything wrong, I think we're, we're, being, we're fooling ourselves. I think the FBI is capable of being very political, and we've seen it in the past several years. Wow. Politics in Washington. Who knew? Let's see. <laughs> Let's continue to follow it. Thank you all. Really appreciate it. This is day 322 of President Trump's administration. That's the state of America. Tonight, we'll see you back here tomorrow.